Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Business Radio. With me on the line, as always, is Alec Hug, and of course I am Felicity Duncan. Uh, Alec, there's a lot of new movement, let's call it, in the economic policy space, and we've seen a lot of things kind of percolating up and coming down the line. And I'm thinking here particularly about um, the Tito Mboweni, you know, recently publishing his um, ideas for economic growth in the strategy paper and inviting public comment, which I think is a very healthy thing. Um, and then, of course, the, the idea of the prescribed asset requirements and the impacts via very wide-ranging impacts, obviously, that that's going to have on um, you know everybody's uh, investments and pension funds and all the rest of it. So there's a lot happening in the space. What are your thoughts and impressions about what we are going to see and the potential impact that these things are going to have? That's an excellent question, and it really is a debate which goes a lot broader than that. If you can begin at the point of a modern economy, uh, which does have to do pretty unpopular things from time to time and the populists in politics and in society generally will always find reasons why the, the, the harder way, the more difficult way is not the right way. In South Africa's instance, we still do have a, a great fortune in that we've got a political party which, which has got a strong uh, controlling position uh, in, in parliament and within that political party, you have a dominance of people who are uh, sensible and do understand how a modern economy has to work. So although Tito Mboweni's plan came out to say things which for some on the left or the trade union movement or if you like um, those who, who have more of a social, socialist uh, bent were, were horrified by, in reality all it really was, was a repetition of the National Development Plan of 2012, which has now been dusted off and brought back into, maybe modernized a little. But it certainly is something that is needed and something that is necessary for the South African economy to get it back on track. And in this past week, the governor of the Reserve Bank, Lesetja Kanyako, also supported the uh, Mboweni plan. Something else that goes alongside this plan is is the whole debate over prescribed asset requirements. And although we've had them in South Africa, we had them in the 70s, 80s. Uh, in fact, they were abolished in 1989. And at that point in time, the old apartheid government uh, forced pension funds and retirement funds to put 53% of their assets into government stock or, or uh, semi, uh, what, what they call semi-gilts. Uh, that would be uh, gilts, uh, gilts or bonds uh, for, the, for the government. Uh, and then semi-gilts were for state-owned enterprises. And they had to put 53% into those stocks. It wasn't too bad those days for pensioners or for retirees because government stock used to be in double digits because inflation was relatively high and you got a, a fairly good return. Now, of course, with inflation low and with very low returns on uh, bonds, it's not something you want to be forced into doing. So there's, there's the argument again that comes in on that side is a very emotive one uh, from politicians and from populists, really, they say, who are saying that you sh should use the country's savings to de develop the country, use the capital to develop the country. And then you get the more rational argument, which says, hang on a minute, when you start channeling 
your resources into areas that you are forced to put them into, you are going to have huge wastage. And by the way, whose resources are they? It's the resources of uh, ordinary citizens who are now already have already been taxed on that. And now they're going to be taxed again on the on on the investments they're making. And in a modern economy, in a, a society that realizes it's part of the rest of the world, you can't get away with that kind of thing. So there's been a lot of debate on uh, on both fronts, but actually it's one golden court uh, that that uh, you either have a populist approach towards things where it's okay for the state to take away from its citizens, or you have the other approach where the citizens say, hang on, this is not right. Um, and by the way, I'm informed, I'm sufficiently informed to tell you that I'm not going to stand for it. So in South Africa's instance, we certainly seem to be lending or, or, or bending towards the the more uh, uh, modern, enlightened economic approach. And that's that's heartening. It's interesting you make the point that that was a, a policy that we've had before with prescribed assets, obviously under very different um, circumstances. But, you know, for the listeners out there, what's the risk of having these prescribed assets? What, what is the, the cause for anxiety um, about what, what will be required for funds and individual investors to do? The anxiety comes from a view that the, when you force uh, resources to be put into a certain area, they do get wasted. Um, and, and, and that's logical. Uh, when you allow capital to flow where it, it, it gets the uh, market-related returns, then generally speaking, you would have less risk of it being wasted. Or, 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 uh, and in a, an economy like this one, which doesn't have an abundance of capital, um, you really do don't want to waste the precious resources you've got. But the, the real issue here is that there is already money that is being allocated towards bonds and uh, state-owned enterprises um, uh, when they go into the market and, and borrow. And it is being charged at the moment at a market-related rate. The, the concern is that if you force people to put money into it, that the, the rate that is going to be paid will be lower than the market-related and as a consequence, it's another tax on uh, retirees or, or on savers. And we don't need more taxes on savings, that's for sure, in a country with a very low savings rate. Uh, Andrew Cantor uh, from Future Growth had a, a superb interview on Rational Radio this week where he unpacked all of this. And he said that some people are so scared that they are acting emotionally and they are cashing in their retirement funds just to get and paying the tax uh, just to get it out of the hands or potentially out of the hands of the government who might allocate it differently. And what you will find, the market, people are, are ingenious. And if you force this kind of thing, you'll find more and more people will uh, find a way around it uh, so that they don't use the retirement funding mechanisms. They might find other ways to prepare for their older age. Uh, human, human beings are ingenious. And when you do start interfering or try, trying your social engineering. In the past, you might have gotten away with it when information uh, was, didn't flow as freely as it does today. But today, people are much better informed. And indeed, you can just go online and, and find out if you have an inclination. And if your money's involved, people do have an inclination to find out what's going on. Yeah, so very scary times for investors. But then on the, the positive side, obviously, for investors, I'm thinking here about the kind of proposals that Mboweni's making, which to me kind of indicate 
that the cabinet that um, Cyril Ramaphosa has put around him and the, the ministers that he's appointed are the kinds of people who are thinking about things in a rational way. And uh, in the economic uh, growth plan that he put forward, there were a lot of very sensible ideas around, you know, reforms to markets and, and uh, just ways to open up and un, un couple South African growth, let it kind of flourish. And so that's encouraging to see, even though, as you say, they face um, a bit of stiff opposition, that the thinking is there. Uh, it most definitely is, and it's all part of being better informed. One can have an emotional reaction to something if you don't know all the facts. Or, uh, unfortunately, well, the worst part of that is when you are ignorant and you're arrogant about your ignorance. And we did have that in this country for those nine lost years when Zuma was running the place, there was a, a high level of arrogant ignorance or ignorance born from, from, from arrogance. You didn't have to find out uh, what was going on. It, people who were um, investigating and, and, uh, and, and searching for different answers were denigrated as uh, clever blacks, as Zuma liked to describe them, which is really uh, – a path to destruction, and we've seen what's happened in Zimbabwe as a, as a consequence of that, and in many other countries around the world. But we do have in South Africa a, um, a, a different approach to things, and fortunately, we also have so much information that is now available through the Internet to ordinary citizens, and ordinary citizens are asking the difficult questions. You only have to listen to debates on radio. You have to watch uh, the, the discussions on Twitter or on Facebook, on social media. Certainly we, the, the, the information that we get back from normal people, if you like, who in the past wouldn't have a voice, now they do have a voice. So the old days where uh, you, you were elevated to a position of power and then you could wield your, your power absolutely are just over and long, long gone. Uh, thankfully, in a society where you do have social media and a vibrant uh, traditional media as well, which is continuously questioning people. Of course, you can go overboard, and of course, there's fake news that comes into the picture as well, so it's not plain sailing. But the benefits of this open society and open information are so much greater because it does put people who, who do stupid things and have stupid ideas which are born out of ignorance – it puts them in the in the spotlight, and others look at that and say, uh, "I don't want to be like them." And I certainly do believe that we should be um, questioning all of these suggestions and, and ideas. And South Africa is in that very very fortunate position where it does have uh, the benefit of this open open information, and we're seeing it, Felicity, in, in many many areas of our society where in the past someone would make a statement on something, it would then be politically correct or politically acceptable um, and, and it would be driven through. Nowadays, it doesn't happen anymore. It, it's, it's always, everything is up for question and eventually we muddle our way through to the right thing. You know, another benefit South Africans now enjoy, in addition to the free movement of information, is the free movement of capital. And uh, a lot of South Africans have taken advantage of this and started to allocate investments offshore. And we've talked about this before, that it's it's a wise thing to do to be geographically uh, diversified, because 
Obviously, South Africa is a relatively small part of the global economy, whatever its prospects may be. The smart person would think diversification, think, let me spread my risk around a little and let me consider an offshore allocation. And I know that you recently had a webinar where you talked about investing offshore and some of the uh, practicalities of it and some of the pitfalls. And, and for those who were unfortunately unable to make the webinar, uh, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, your hot take on, on uh, what the, the highlights were there and perhaps share with people a little bit about how they can participate in our webinars in the future? Yeah, we, we have a, this was uh, one of our partners, Orbvest, who are a, a really uh, interesting group of guys. They're South African entrepreneurs. They wanted to diversify their portfolios internationally, highly successful South African entrepreneurs. And they started looking at areas where they could get a relatively high return at very low risk. And they found that medical buildings in the United States were the right place to go to. And the reason why they've honed in on this was because when you get a, a, a medical specialist who goes into a building with other medical specialists, they tend to stick, they tend to stay there because they have others with them and they, they, uh, if the landlord uh, invests correctly and puts in the right equipment and so on, um, it, you, you have 100% uh, uh, tenancy and uh, reasonable returns, etc., and, of course, also medic the medical field is a field where the inflation is significant. People, <laughs> people will pay to stay healthy or to get themselves fixed when they aren't healthy, and they, they're happy to pay up on that side. So there's, there's many reasons why this little niche. Anyway, Orbvest now want to get bigger, and they want to, they're, they're ambitious being entrepreneurs, and then they've come back to South Africa and offered – Two South Africans, not just here, but all over the world, they work through a, a, a listing on the Seychelles Stock Exchange to get a, a more efficient tax treatment. And they're, they're a partner of ours, and we've uh, spoken with them and, and shown the business community, who've actually got quite excited about the opportunity, and, and why not? And this week, what we or last week rather, what we did was – uh, put together some experts. One of the guys was from Orbvest, and then there was a, a professor from UCT, a professor in tax, a tax advisor, and an accountant from the United States to try and get into some of those nitty-gritty questions. Because when people are in South Africa and they're investing in a medical building uh, through the social stock exchange in the United States, they, they don't always know what does it mean. For instance, what happens uh, to your taxes? Do you get taxed in the U.S.? What happens if you die? What uh, America's got this 40% estate duty, uh, on, um, uh, which we don't have in South Africa. So if it's an American asset, does it mean that it gets taxed at 40% and so on and so forth? So there's, there, there were many of these complexities that, that were brought in, and it was a really, really interesting webinar. But to me, once again, it actually expressed two really important points. The one was there's so many opportunities outside of South Africa, which is half a percent of global GDP. So you've got to, you've got to anticipate that. That is the case. So go and take advantage of them. And we do have a very liberal uh, um, exchange control policy. People talk about exchange control in this country, but actually each taxpayer can take 10 million rand a year, which is for most people, or 99.9% .9 of people, is more than sufficient. So it's, it, it means you don't really have exchange control because of, of that very high limit. Um, so take advantage of it. Uh, but secondly, it's complex. When you're dealing in a different uh, geography, don't just go in there and throw your money at something or certainly don't 
pick up with the very first the first person who comes along and offers you an investment opportunity. You need to do your planning. You need to do in the same way as you would do it in South Africa. And I often use the example of buying a house. As you know, we took four and a half months of heavy work. Uh, well, okay, Jeanette did most of the heavy work. I went along with her to look. But four and a half months of going and seeing and kicking the tires and making sure that these this was the right property. And eventually, we agreed on the property and we are buying it. And most people do that when they buy a house. But when they invest offshore, some slick uh, snake oil salesman will come along and say, well, you know, there's a, there's a good opportunity in, say, Mauritius. Go and buy a property in Mauritius. And away they go without actually knowing what the complexities are of that investment that they're making. So it really came through in this webinar that one needs to be appraised of the risks and the opportunities and the rewards and, you know, what are the commissions being taken? Uh, what do you expect to earn? Why should you expect to earn in that? What happens if you, uh, when your dividends, do they get taxed in the U.S. or do they get taxed here? Or uh, And tax being a very big part of every investment. It really was a, a, a great eye-opener. And apart from anything else, it was to say, just be prepared. Understand what it is you're giving, who you're giving your money to, why you're putting your money in there, and then you won't get yourself into trouble. It's that old story of, you know, if those who fail to plan actually plan to fail. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the summary of this interview will be available on Business Premium. And uh, remember that you can sign up for Premium. It's just £5 a month. And that gives you access not only to our great uh, content, but also full digital access to the Wall Street Journal.